John chapter 4, if you will. John chapter 4 and uh, verse 34. We actually ministered out of John chapter 4 on Wednesday night. How many of you enjoyed Wednesday night? Amen. What a powerful time we had learning that there are wells that we draw from, and we've got to make sure we're going to the well that never runs dry. The well that never runs dry. Here in John chapter 4, we see the woman at the well, right? And Jesus uh, has to go through Samaria, not because he didn't have another route, not because he didn't have another option or opportunity, uh, but by divine compulsion, he was led to go through Samaria, through a uh, an area that culturally was contradictory to his nature and his culture, his belief system, uh, and even spoke to a woman who Jews technically, typically did not have any interactions with women. So we see uh, Jesus here being led by the Spirit to minister to this woman at the well and ends up changing her life, which in turn changed the life of the entire city, the entire community. Amen. Could it be that we're just one person away from reaching an entire community? Could it be that you're just one person away from reaching the people at your work? Could it be that you're just one individual away from reaching those in your family that, are, that you know are lost and need Jesus? Could it be that you're just one individual, that it may not even be your witness that sets them free, but the witness of someone you witness to? Amen. So we can't ever limit what God wants to do uh, in our lives. So what a powerful time we have. But we're going to continue on here because as I was studying that out, I kept on reading through. And we'll look at a couple verses here. In uh, John chapter 4, verse 34, it says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This whole thing actually started out because Jesus was hungry. Because <laughs> he was traveling and they became weary. Him and the disciples became weary from their travel. And when they ended up in Samaria, uh, he actually sat down at this well because he was thirsty, number one. And his disciples went on into the town, into Samaria to get him food. And so while his disciples are gone, he's ministering to this woman at the well. And that's where the whole conversation starts with, hey, give me a drink. And then we start that whole dialogue there. But but while that's all going on, the disciples are off, you know, at stopping by Chick-fil-A or Mickey D's or whatever, trying to grab him a bite to eat. And so they show back up after he's ministered to this woman uh, at the well. And they said, all right, here's your doggy bag. Here's your food. No ketchup. You know, no mayonnaise, just like you like it. Uh, you know, extra pickles or whatever. And uh, he says, I don't need it. And they're like. Did somebody bring him food that, who slipped him a protein bar? You know, who, 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 gave, who, who, got, who beat us to the punch, you know, so to speak. And you can read it there. They, they literally say, did somebody else bring him food? And he says, no, 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 my food, meaning my sustenance, what keeps me going, my daily uh, uh, feeding comes from doing the will of the Father. Because he's the one that sent me. And it's for his will and his purpose that I'm here. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me uh, going after the things of God. He says, to, for him to do the will of him who sent me and to finish. Now, you know, starting something can be intimidating. Getting started in something. But we're not going to be measured by what we start, but by what we finish. And it's not how you start. And I remember one time, you know, I've always been... Uh, very uh, cyclical, I guess, if you will, in the gym. I don't know why. I just, you know, I'll, I'll get burnt out with going every day. I'll go, and man, I'll enjoy seeing the results, enjoy, you know, lifting heavier weight and doing whatever, seeing the, the, the physical changes and feel better. And, but then, you know, things show up, you know, get busy. Uh, uh, I was doing real good up until about February of this year. Now, I, I'm not talking from January. That wasn't my New Year's resolution. I had a pretty good year last year, very consistent, but then we hit February, and we were gone. We were in Oklahoma one week. We were in New York City uh, celebrating our 10-year anniversary another week, and then uh, we had a conference down in Florida, and it just seemed like I'd try to get back in, but I just couldn't get it going, and um, there was one time, this wasn't recent, but there was one time where I was trying to get back in the gym, trying to get started, 
And, uh, you know, I remember someone told me, look, sometimes just driving to the gym is, is, is an effort, right? And uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to the gym. And I don't live that far, so I can't use that excuse. I live right around the corner from the YMCA. There's, driving to the gym is not an effort for me. So I get there, and uh, I walk in and, you know, do my little key code walk in, and I see all the guys in the gym, and I just immediately just felt intimidated. I was like, man, I'm going to have to start all over. I'm going to have to start back down here. I'm going to have to do all this. And so I'm not even lying to you. I'm not even lying. I couldn't just walk out. Okay, couldn't just do that. You know, I had to find a way to save face. So I get my phone out, and I act like I take an emergency phone call. And I'm literally talking on my end to nobody. And I walk out so people think. I don't even know if they noticed. I don't even know if they saw me. But little people, yeah, yeah, right now? Oh, okay, I'm coming. I'll be right there. Man, that stinks. Couldn't, couldn't work out today, you know, rough, rough day. Try again tomorrow. Give it a go tomorrow. I literally did that. Why? Because starting something can be, can be a struggle. You know, we've been talking about faith. How many of you had your faith challenged in the last several weeks? Okay, two of you. Awesome. Uh, we have been talking about faith, and, and I've been challenging your faith, been challenging the way we, we see faith, but not just the faith that we believe for something, but I don't know about you. I want to see results of my faith. I remember Pastor Early, you know, years ago would say this, you know, we're not just a praying church. We're not a church that prays. We're a church that receives answers. To our prayer. There's all kinds of religions that pray. There's all kinds of people that pray. And they don't even know the effective power in their prayer. I don't want to be someone that just prays faith prayers or believes in, in, in big faith things and, and without taking the steps and actually seeing the results of my faith. And, and, and it, it takes something to step out on nothing. It takes something to charge your faith. You, you have to challenge what you want to see changed. You don't see change unless it's challenged, unless it's confronted. And unless we want to challenge our faith beyond the status quo, unless we want to challenge our faith beyond what is is normal. I've just, you know, lately just in my life, in ministry, personally, if if it's within means, if it's within what I could see possible, I could see, I could see me, then it's not big enough. It's just not big enough. I'm not saying that you need to set goals that are just so incredibly massive that, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're believing in faith for things that are just so audacious and so big and bold that you can never obtain anything. But our faith should be beyond our limitations and into God's expectations. And so um, ca- carrying on in that theme, carrying on, um, I want to be a finisher. And he goes on to say here in verse 35, do you not say there are still four months And then comes the harvest. Now he's saying this to people that actually understand that. Because I don't don't think most of us in this room, we might have some farmers in this room that might understand that statement. But most of us don't walk around saying, four months till harvest. I mean, I sure don't. I mean, harvest, and, and, and this is the thing. Most of us are merely enjoying the concept of a thing without putting it in the context of the thing. And this is the thing that can become difficult with the word of God because that statement, number one, he's talking to people that understand agriculture. Number two, this is an old saying. This is an old proverb, if you will, that was regularly said among them. So when he says, you know, four months... And the harvest, is, well, the harvest will be here, or then we have harvest. You know, let me just tell you a little bit. I can, I'm, I'm from Texas. Very proud of that. Very excited to be from Texas. And very proud to say I'm a Texan, once a Texan, always a Texan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but people are always surprised uh, at my lack of knowledge of nature and agriculture and dirt and uh, cowboys and uh, horses, farming, you know, all those kind of things that people automatically, I, that, that is not, you know, Chuck here gets on to me all the time. You don't like to fish? you never been fishing? I thought you were from Texas. Let me define Texas. Let me, let me put context for you. I grew up 
uh, 10 minutes south of downtown Fort Worth. My dad worked in downtown. All I knew was concrete and asphalt and highways and mixed masters and sitting in traffic. I sat in traffic for 45 minutes. I wasn't about to go sit on a boat and go fish. Okay? It took me 45 minutes to go 10 miles. I mean, forget about it. Fishing is the last thing on my mind. And so uh, 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 that's the context I grew up in. I, I'm, I'm city through and through. So moving out here was a, a, quite a contrast for me. Uh, moving into an area that is so uh, uh, agriculturally. Let me see all the hands of all the farmers in the room. If, if farming is, is what you do, you have farmed, you've worked on a farm, you've lived on a farm. You've had to do, and I'm not talking about you've got a cabbage patch out in the backyard that's falling apart and, and you've been trying to grow strawberries for the last five years and got nothing. I'm talking about that is your livelihood. We got several of them. We got a lot of them. And one thing when I first moved here uh, was maybe I had a concept of farming and a concept of harvest. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, my concept of harvest was more spiritual than it was even natural. I don't know that I would ever used or ever would have used the term harvest in just my natural daily life. I heard the word harvest more in the word of faith churches I grew up in than I did anywhere else. I don't understand harvest because uh, uh, I grew up with a microwave. And I grew up with a stove. And, and now I've got devices. You know, it's, it's tough to understand agriculture in an app store world where you can just download it and it's there. Anything you want is at your fingertips. That's not the way agriculture works. Am I right, Brent? One of the first things that I realized, I moved here in October of uh, uh, 2011. We, we took over the church, began to move the church. Uh, and uh, in October of 2011, um, I, I came into a quick learning of what harvest meant. Because for me, conceptually speaking, and you know, even in our word of faith circle that I grew up in, Harvest was blessing. Harvest was reaping. Harvest was you've been sowing and, 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 and do not grow weary in well-doing. And then you will reap the harvest. And, and harvest, in my mind, uh, just because this was my context that I was given, the concept I had was you sit back and the blessing just comes and you enjoy it. And then I, I figured out that in October... In November and December, our farmers weren't here. Where are they? Oh, it's harvest time. What? I thought that's where you just sit back and enjoy the blessing of everything, right, Brent? That's, that, that's, that's where we just sit back and, uh, you know, we've got all the time in the world and all the blessing just comes to us. That's not how it works. No. I found out that these guys work harder in the harvest than they did all year round. I found out that in the harvest time, that's when they were up before the sun and they, they were uh, 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 coming home way past uh, a, a normal day. And, 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 do I have any farmers that can concur with me? Otherwise, you're out doing something else. I don't know what you've been doing. I mean, you won't see them for weeks on end. It's harvest time. That totally blew my concept of harvest. So when he says here, you have a saying, four months till harvest, you know, if I preach, you know, and, and we, we, I've preached it, I've, I've done it. The harvest is here. It's harvest time. You're going to reap your blessing. You're going to reap the manifestation of what you've been believing for, what you've been standing for. The walls are coming down. We're believing God, and we will see the harvest. And I got farmers in this room that are thinking, oh, God, the harvest. Ah, <laughs> oh, the harvest. While we're all thinking, we just sit back and we just, ah, bask in the harvest. And they're thinking, harvest. What we think is a blessing, they're thinking of as a burden. It's, it's, it's much different, isn't it? Why? Because we took a concept and we pulled it out of context. I quickly learned over the last five years of being here uh, in this culture and in this area that harvest has a different meaning. Harvest has a different meaning. He says, behold, I say to you there in verse 
uh, 35. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. When these farmers look at a field and they determine it's ready for harvest, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, we're about to hit the ground running. We are about to, we're not even going to stop. We're not going to slow down. We're not even going to shave our faces, right? I mean, it's all growing out. You wear the same thing every day. I mean, I've gotten to go out with these guys a few times. I remember the first time Brent invited me out to one of the fields, one of his uh, pecan orchards. And, and honestly, this is just, I, I'm, I'm not a metrosexual guy. I'm, I'm not real big into fashion and stuff like that. I'm really not, I promise you. I might be the only guy in this church that wears skinny jeans, but I'm, I'm really not a big fashion image guy. But honestly, I was thinking, what do I even wear out there? What? Can, can, can I go out? Like, what, what does it, do I need to go buy special clothing? To go? I, don't, I had no concept of a farm. I had no concept. I mean, probably, you know, old McDonald had a farm was probably the closest relevance I had to what a farm was. <laughs> what it meant to farm, what it meant to live on a farm, what it meant to grow crops out of the ground. Why? Because I just stick it in the microwave and I complain about the three minutes it takes to warm it up. I'll go through my fridge and say, man, I got to microwave that. I'll just hit a drive through And so my idea of harvest is drive through place the order, go back around to the window, pick it up, and eat it in the car as I'm going away. And that's not harvest. That's not a harvest. When we're talking about a faith, we're talking about a fight of faith. We're talking about a persevering faith. We're talking about an enduring faith. We're talking about a faith that doesn't give up. Well, if if faith doesn't give up, then there must be some kind of resistance, some kind of hindrance, something that is opposing my faith life or what I'm believing God for. We don't just simply get in faith. Some of us are expecting a miracle from God where he's expecting discipline on our part. I'm not talking down faith. We need faith. And we need a position where we just believe. And we believe God to do something that only he can do. But God doing what only he can do first requires us to do what only we can do. We're believing God for healing in our bodies, but we're not eating right. We're not taking care of them properly. Come on. Believing God for a financial breakthrough in our lives, but yet we don't steward what we do have properly. There's some discipline that needs to be applied. There's some discipline. There's some work. There's some work. There's some work. The title of my message today is How Harvest Works. Because harvest is not just sit back and bless me. Harvest is not, okay, God, I'm believing. Okay, God, I'm standing. Okay, God, I, I applied your word. I declared your word. I, I, I've done everything Pastor Mark told me to do. Now we've got to see the work of harvest. And these farmers in, these, in this room know that when it's harvest time, you're working harder at harvest time than you were ever putting it in at seed time. And, and man, these guys are working right now. They're spraying stuff, and they're they're. And it's amazing when you think this way, you see challenges differently. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Van Murphy. He's one of our uh, cotton farmers in the church, and um, I was talking to him. And as I was talking to him, it was pouring down rain. It was just you know, pick a day over the last three weeks. It's been raining like crazy around here. And 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 I and, and we, he was driving, and it was just amazing to hear his the tone in his voice as it was raining. He was just so thankful for the rain. What is what is tedious and aggravating to me is joyous to him. Why? Because he needs the rain. His crops need the rain. He sees the rain different. It's it's annoying to me. You know, we say, uh, you know, God send your rain. God, rain, you know, we used to sing, rain down on, rain is annoying, man. Rain uh, uh, obstructs me from doing what I want to do. Rain keeps people from coming to church. Pastors hate rain. Pastors hate rain in the forecast. Because it's a limiter. It is. But he sees it different. Why? Because he's got a different mentality. How harvest works. Go on in verse 36. And he who reaps receives wages. And gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So we understand that 
harvest might be a concept. You know, we all enjoy things in its conceptual form. Marriage is great as a concept. But it's when we actually start putting it in context and it's when we actually start living it out and we start actually realizing that the other individual leaves the cap off the toothpaste. This is when, you know, we, we enjoy the idea uh, of, of the new house. I was talking to Nikki because Jimmy and Nikki just purchased the home. I said, how's the new house? Has it broken in yet? I mean, have, have, has it dawned on you that you're in an east? She said, it will come the first. Why? Because that house is, has a payment attached to it. The concept's amazing. The concept of growing a church is awesome. The concept of having a full uh, sanctuary is awesome until you walk in here and you can't find your seat. Right? You're in my seat. I don't see your name on it. Where's that at? Don't bring your Sharpies next week. I'm marking my seat. I'm marking it up. That's where I sit. Right? We love the concept of full parking lot until you can't find a spot. We love the concepts. We've got to get past the concept. We've got to start, put, start putting it into context. Faith needs context. Faith needs context. We love the idea of, of God speaking to us and, and, and declaring to a man beyond childbearing years and saying, you're going to be a father. Man. Oh, what an all, you know, that sounds like a blessing, but to Abraham, that was a burden. So we've got to understand both sides of the coin, if you will. We've got to understand that what we're believing for in faith now must be maintained. They love the idea of going into the promised land until they realize there were enemies in it. The concept of, of having all this land and having all this territory was great as an idea. But battling and fighting and warfare and enemies and fortified walls and city after city, some people see work, others see blessings. Some people just see things as owning it, but without ever having to apply the work to maintain it. So we've got to understand, context brings clarity. Context brings clarity. The concept is great, but can we manage the context of the thing? Do we have the full understanding of what this is going to take on? And I'll be honest with you, the last... Four or five messages that I've been preaching, you, I've been preaching to myself and you've gotten to listen to me preach. Because right now I'm in one of the greatest faith struggles and faith battles, if you will, uh, uh, of my entire life. Something bigger that, that I have never even, I, I've never uttered words that I've uttered in the last four weeks. I've never uttered and had communication with certain individuals of certain status than I have in, in the last four weeks. And today I want to cast vision. Today I want to cast vision for what God wants to do at Anchor Faith Church. Because I'm not interested in maintenance mode. I'm not interested in... I'm, I'm so thankful for where God has brought us. I'm so thankful for what He has done over the last... Five years. Some may think it's small. Some may think it's 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 uh, uh, you know it's not a big deal. But for me, it is because I was there in the beginning. Sometimes you got to go to the beginning to understand all that God has done. Amen. You got to go back to Genesis one to realize what man had, what man lost. If you don't value what you lost, you won't value getting it back. Some of us don't value what Jesus did on the cross because we don't value what happened in Genesis chapter 3 because we don't value what happened in Genesis chapter 1. Until you understand your identity and what God created you to do and what God created you to fulfill, then you won't see Genesis chapter 3 as all that important. Therefore, you don't see the cross as all that important. But the cross is valuable not because of, of, of Jesus getting me to heaven, but now that I have access to get heaven into the earth. But you've got to go to the beginning to understand that. If we only go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we miss out on the intent and the purpose of sending Jesus to this planet in the first place. And so for me, you know, being at Anchor Faith Church, it has been incredible pastoring this church. But all along, I've known that this is temporary. 
All along, I have known that this is just a starting point. This is not a finish line for us. I have no interest. I, I don't have a number. You know, people have asked me, you know, how big, how big do you want to get? I don't get to make that call. The, 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 the servants in the parable of the talents, they didn't get to decide if they doubled or increased the amount that the master gave them. They just had to put it to work. They were given five and it was there. It was, the, the, the master came to the lazy servant with one and said, you should have at least put it in the bank so I could have gotten mine back with interest. I do know this, that the master is looking for more than what he originally gave to us. I know that. I know that. With our children, with our families, with our marriages, with our finances, with, with, with anything that he has placed in our hands, he's saying, here's what I'm giving you. Now, what will you give back to me? Because everything we have, we are simply returning it back to the king. That's why tithing and offering, uh, giving tithe and offering is so easy because it wasn't mine in the first place. You don't give your tithe. You return the tithe. It's his. He's just wanting to see, will you, will you trust me enough to put it back into my account? And so we have stewarded, and we have stewarded, you know, uh, only I will know when I stand before Jesus, will I know that I steward faithfully, that I steward the promise of God, that I steward the church of God, that I steward the people of God. There's many opportunities as a pastor. To feel like you failed. There's many opportunities as a pastor to feel like you didn't have a word for them and you should have said this or you could have said that or, or they shouldn't have left. If you would have said this, they would have. And, and you can, I, I can battle that road over and over and over again. I'm just doing the best I can. And I know this, that in five years I'll be a better pastor than I am today because I'm not interested in maintaining. I'm not interested in staying the same. I'm only interested in growth because if I'm not interested in growing, I must be interested in dying. And I'm not. So God has given us a great vision and God has given us a great purpose. And at times it's overwhelming. At times it's, it's bigger than anything we've ever set out to do. At times it's bigger than even what I feel could, could literally be accomplished. But this location and, and this facility and, and this place uh, is not going to be able to house the vision that, that God has for us. And I've always known that. And we have always been in a position where we look for opportunities. Now, looking is relative. Looking for opportunities mean I could literally be going through, uh, you know, a, a, a website or driving around town. And we haven't pursued in those ways. There, there, have, there have been several opportunities that have proposed themselves to us, and only one did we actively pursue. And that was the Park Avenue property. If you were here about two, two years ago, we had a pastor in town that was dissolving the church and was stepping out of ministry. And uh, he approached us about 11 acres of land over on Park Avenue, north side of town, near right in between the New Bern Middle School, Centilla, and down the road from the brand new Valdosta High School where they're going in. And, you know, we said, yeah, you know, let's, let's have a conversation. He was going to give us a great deal on it. And uh, we began uh, to pursue. The first thing I did is I went before the county to, to, to determine, can we even put a church there? That's the first step. You, you can't just put a church anywhere. We learned that early on. You can't just think, ah, we're going to put them right here next to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, whatever. There, there's, there's hindrances. There's restrictions. And so we had a meeting, and then once we had that meeting and once we determined we could go there, I brought it to the church. I proposed it to the church, told, gave the church the amount that, that they were asking uh, uh, and said we were going to raise this amount, and we took up an offering. And then about a month later, the, the pastor came back and said, we, we've reconsidered. We've decided to keep uh, four acres of the 11. But if, you're, if you'd like, you can have the other seven. Well, he, he couldn't be real clear to me on what his vision for what he was doing with the four acres. So it would be ridiculous for me to go in and purchase seven acres, even though we already knew that was going to be too small anyways. That would be a next step, but that would not be a finality for us. And so because of that transition, because of his decision, we decided we're not going to pursue this at this time. And there you have it. And we kept on driving on. 
We've seen other properties. We've had people approach us and say, hey, what do you think about this building? And what do you think about that? I've probably had six people tell me that Gander Mountain's closing. Well, you already know that I'm not interested in nature and uh, fishing and all that kind of stuff. So it must only be because you want me to use that building as Anchor Faith Church. Because there's nothing there that I would buy. And um, so, you know, we've had these different things. But about a year ago, this time a year ago, uh, Chris Musgrove, actually, uh, with his ministry, Future Now, uh, acquired some office space. And it was more space than they needed. And they knew we needed space uh, because the babies kicked me out of my office. <laughs> so you can thank Amelia and Luke. And I gave up my space. So we could have a place to put our babies. So we've got our babies over in this corner room down here, thriving and growing. But that used to be my office. That used to be my office, my office. And then it became the community office. So everybody worked out of the one office. Remember those days? We're all crammed in there. And then eventually we had to transition to a children's room. and So we didn't have office space. And Chris and Terry knew that. And they called me up one, one evening. It was about May. It was May, June of last year. And said, hey, we want to show you our new office space. And so it's right down the road here. And, um, and as we're walking through, they say, oh, what do you think about uh, utilizing this space over here? You think you guys could use that? And I'm like, well, what? You, you hiring me? You bringing me on? What's going on here? Like, well, we know you guys need office space, and it's close to y'all's church. So, you know, what do you think about, you know, sharing space with us and pitching with utilities and that kind of thing? I mean, we're being blessed with it anyway by the owner. So, so he said, yeah, yeah, we need it. We need a place to store stuff. We need a place to put our, our files and all kinds of things. And, uh, and then we need offices for the individuals uh, uh, that we have working in an, in an office environment. I, don't, I didn't even have an office. My office was Starbucks and the kitchen table. So uh, we said, yeah, let's do it. And so we, we moved in with them. And, and the property it's on, it sits on 30 acres of land. And right at the entrance of the property is a big for sale sign. Big old huge for sale sign. And I drove past it every day and didn't think a thing. Never called the number, never thought, hmm, this is interesting. Nothing. I was like, okay. And then our anniversary services uh, in October of last year, um, I take uh, Pastor Earl and um, I even took uh, Pastor Daryl Huffman was in town at the time and we went over there and wanted to show him the office space. Uh, and uh, Pastor Daryl goes, uh, so what, what's up with the 30 acres? It's for sale. I was like, yeah, I think it's for sale. He's like, no, it's for sale. There's a sign. I was like, okay, it's for sale. It's just, I, it literally never dawned on me it's for sale. And he said, well, how much is it? I said, I don't know. He said, well, do you think you could use it for your church? I, I don't know. He's like, I would start finding out. I would start making some phone calls. And so... Uh, that was October, uh, January of this year. I make the first phone call. I call the owner. I'm like, I, I drove past it, and I drove past it a million times, drove past it enough times. I was like, I'm just going to call. I'm just going to call. We'll just call. And so I call the individual. I call the owner. And he says, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it's for sale. Um, what are you interested in? What are you all doing? I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor, a pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in town. We're actually right down the road on 84. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, we're back here, you know, sharing office space with Chris and just saw that your space was for sale, interested in what you're asking. And he said, yeah, um, it's 40000 an acre, $40,000 an acre for 30 acres. And we're like, okay, so that's $1.2 million, $1.2 million. And I kind of left it at that. Never had another conversation. Never Called the guy back, and, and then Pastor Earl was like, hey, did you call? Did you call? Did you find out? What else did you find out? What else did you find out? And there are existing buildings on the property. There's three existing buildings. The, the property was previously uh, belonged to a company that was doing uh, some type of uh, chemical engineering uh, with pesticides and agriculture and things of that nature. And the buildings have a lot of laboratory spaces and those kind of things. And so we're like, I mean, there's buildings there, but there's nothing we can use. There's nothing we could do with that. We don't even know if that would be safe. We don't even know if that would be an environment that we want to use. And uh, so four weeks ago, 
we began moving conversations uh, forward. There was one building that we took a look at and we said, you know, maybe we could renovate this one. Out of the three, there's only one that we could possibly use. And so a couple things have transpired in in, uh, the last little bit. Number one, we've been asking to get a total price for everything, and we just couldn't get it. Made phone call after phone, hey, what do you think about, I mean, we met with the guy individually, personally, he's like, ah, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's getting appraisals done and all that. And so our first step was, again, to determine zoning. The first step is to determine, can we even put a church here? Can we even move here? That's the first step we got to take. And um, we uh, discovered pretty quickly that there would be some hindrances there for what it's currently zoned for and for what it was previously used for and for what the surrounding areas are being used for and zoned for as well, uh, we might run into some challenges. And so a little over two weeks ago, about two and a half weeks ago, I attended a meeting downtown uh, with our county uh, individuals called a TRC meeting. I had to attend a TRC meeting when we built Uh, the classrooms next door. I had to attend one of these meetings when we were looking at the Park Avenue property. And basically you sit down with with all the county officials. You sit down with the health department. You sit down with the zoning uh, guys. You sit down with the utilities people, building and construction, fire. uh, And they basically just go one by one and tell you some challenges or what things you might run into. And the only hindrance that we were running into bumping up against in the meeting was the uh, zoning of the property. You may have a challenge there. It will have to be rezoned, and you will have to submit a proposal. You will have to submit an application. So they gave us the application, and it was my intention to announce to you today that I had submitted that application Monday. The goal was to submit it Monday and turn it in, and that would uh, then begin a, about a 60-day process uh, for us to get the property rezoned, and that wasn't a guarantee. That was just a proposal that was just requesting uh, that we get it rezoned so we can use it for this purpose. But they could easily come back and say no. Now, we had some assurance and confidence on our end that we could get it to go through, but we still had to go before the county commissioners and get that decision made. Uh, We did not submit the application as of uh, Monday because we had a follow-up conversation Uh, Well, literally, I had a follow-up conversation with the owner of the property, and he gave me a total number, total number for everything. The total number for everything is 2.8 million, 1.2 for the land, 1.6 for the existing buildings, uh, which at this time, we don't even know if that's something we could even feasibly use, so why would I buy them? So we've got got some, some questions to ask. We've got some things. I actually walked away from that meeting with more questions than answers. I walked out of that meeting on Monday uh, really with a stall, if you will. Uh, there's three challenges that we face that we have to address uh, if we are interested in the property. Number one is the uh, environmental use of the property, its previous use, and will it be a safe environment for us to use? That's number one, because of what it was used for. Now, so far at this point, we have received uh, plenty of clarity uh, that we can be there. Even the zoning officials told us uh, that it won't be a problem. Uh, We know what it was used for. There's been environmental checks, but we will have an environmental check ourselves to have the land tested to make sure there isn't anything hazardous. Our vision is much bigger than church. It's been a while since we've communicated this, but our vision is much bigger than church. Our vision is education. And we know at the bare minimum, our heart is to open up a preschool for children and for families, and to uh, eventually house a K-12 through Christian school here in Valdosta, Georgia, as a part of our ministry. This is big vision. This is big picture. Okay, So 30 acres would definitely allow us to do that. But being the fact that we're going to have families here and children here, uh, I actually have a meeting set up next week with the uh, potential neighbor, DuPont. And DuPont... Uh, uh, does chemical engineering as well. And so I have a meeting set up with them to sit down and talk with them uh, about what they do. They're going to give me a tour of their facility. They're going to show me uh, what all they do and determine, again, um, if there are any potential 
harmful, you know, hazardous environments that we need to be aware of. That's step number one. Step number two is zoning that I already communicated, getting it rezoned. Again, that's not a done deal, even though we've received some assurance that we can get that done. Um, that would be the next step is getting it rezoned. That's about a 60-day process from the day that I submit the application, which we have not done so yet. And then the third thing is the finance. Now, the individual that owns it has told us that he will donate back half of the appraisal value to the church as a donation. So that brings the total value for everything down to an even $2 million. $2 million is the asking price for the land and the buildings that are included on the property. And so at this time, he has also told us that he is willing to owner finance, so we wouldn't even have to seek outside financing or approach a bank. Uh, with a 20% down payment, that would put us at $400,000 down, and then a monthly payment, and that's without ever building anything on the land. Uh, I had another meeting with our architect just this past Thursday. Um, he went and walked one of the existing buildings that we thought we could renovate and use as a sanctuary space until uh, we were able to build our own facility. We walked it together, and we came to the, he came to the determination that we will not, it will not suffice as a sanctuary. So we will have to build immediately uh, to be able to use the property as a church, period. And so at this time, with the individuals in our church that I have uh, been leaning on for guidance and counsel, along with my pastor in St. Augustine, um, we are formulating a plan and believing God. I'm coming to you today with as much information as I can. I'm coming to you today with as much as I can tell you, as much as I can uh, uh, give you, and I'm giving you everything I've got. There's nothing being withheld. There's nothing that not being said. At this point, we've got to formulate a plan. Uh, I believe in my heart of hearts that this is uh, an opportunity that God has brought to us. When I walked out of that meeting a couple of weeks ago with the county, I felt like one of the spies that went in to the promised land. And God told me this. He said, you getting this property is not going to be determined on what I've promised you. It's going to be determined on the report you get back. And that's, that's up to us. You realize they didn't go into the promised land because God decided to take something back or withhold something or uh, said, you know, not right now, like a lot of people like to preach. Well, it must not have just been his timing. No, it was his timing. Eleven days after they got out of Egypt was his timing. That was all the time they needed to go into the promised land, yet they sat around there for 40 years wandering around because of, because of a report. We went in, and look, those, those spies, when they went in the land, they saw blessing, and they saw burden. What did they see? They saw harvest. But harvest needed some context. Faith needed some context. Faith needed some context. And so our faith needs some context. The walls are fortified, yes. The enemies, although not bearing spears and swords and shields, there are some hindrances. There's always resistance to the move of God. We shouldn't be surprised by this. We never expected it to be a walk in the park. We never expected. And in fact, there was a part of this where we were having some conversation. I just, I was like, I told my wife, I said, this, this is just too easy. It's too easy. There, there's something. There's something. And then Monday showed up. And Monday came. Now, it's not an enemy that we can't defeat. I felt defeated. I felt a little discouraged, but it was really questions we had been asking all along that we were just waiting to get the answers on, and we finally got the answer. And when, when rubber met the road, when we finally saw the number, I said, you know, the first thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to tell you you have no business being there. I remember walking out of his office, and the devil spoke to me. He says, he'll do that. It's up to you whether you keep him in there. But he spoke, and he said, you have no business here. You have no business in this room. You have no business in conversation with this individual. You have no business talking about these kind of numbers. Okay. That's the burden. That's the burden. Why? Because harvest has work. Harvest has work. 
So you know what I did? I do what I tell y'all to do. I started going back and listening to my own messages. And I took notes. Because half the stuff I preach is not even in my notes in the first place. So I got a chance to revise my notes a little bit. I started encouraging myself in the Lord. I started doing everything that I... I don't sit up here and, and, and proclaim like I'm on some pedestal where I don't have to apply what I'm preaching. I don't sit up here... And, and act like I don't have the same struggles and the same lies and the same battles and the same trials and the same tests in my life that y'all do. I absolutely do. It's a big weight. It's a big weight. And so this is where we're at. We've got to formulate a plan. We've got to hear from God. We've got to hear. See, the, 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 there are many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know, my, th- this isn't going the way I planned it. My plan was for Father's Day, I was going to have this video to be able to play for you guys and be able to cast all this vision and, and, and be able to have this great epic impact, and that got shot down. And so now I'm, 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 I'm casting. You understand, I'm not merely communicating information. I'm not interested in communicating information. Other people might. Other people might communicate information but i don't communicate information i cast vision because habakkuk 2 2 says that you put the vision you make it plain why so the people can run with it how can i expect you to run with the vision that's not even clearly communicated so i'm laying out the vision for you the vision is great i believe everything that god wants to do through anchor faith church valdosta needs to be done I remember when we initially moved here, when we initially uh, were looking at planning the church here. First question we asked was, why does Valdosta even need another church? Why does Valdosta need us to be there? It's a relevant question when there's a church on every corner. But number one, they're not all filled up. And even if they were all filled up, if every single parking space in this town was was full on a Sunday, we would still only be reaching a percentage of this community. (laughs) So I might as well open up another parking space. I might as well give someone else a seat to hear the word. And nothing I do is for competition. It's merely to complete the assignment that God has called us. I'm not here to compete against anybody. I'm not here to be successful in man's eyes. I'm here to be fruitful in God's eyes. And so everything we pursue and everything that we communicate and every vision that we cast is only, I, I do nothing in this church for my own interest. There's not one thing I do to, to simply benefit myself. This is not a vehicle. This is not a means to an end for me. This is, this is not a way to get my uh, uh, mission across and my vision. There's half the stuff God asked me to do, I don't even want to do. I wish there was another way. But this is where God has it. I do believe that this is something that God wants us to pursue, and it's worth asking the question. So I want to communicate, number one, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Is it a potential purchase? What does that mean? For one person, a potential purchase may mean you're down signing a contract. For another individual, it may mean we drove by and saw a sign. That's relative. But I believe that God has us in the place and has brought an opportunity. I do know that the uh, individual that owns the land is a God-fearing man. He's kingdom-minded. He has blessed and helped many churches and schools in the past that he has uh, told us about. And he told us, these were his words, were they not? These were his words. I will do whatever I can within the legal parameters of the law to help you. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. And so this is the test that's in front of us. This is the land that's in front of us. This is what we're believing for. This is what we're pursuing. And if everything checks out, again, I I wish I could come to you saying we already had the meeting. I wish I could come to you and say we already ran the test. I wish I could come to you and say we already got it rezoned. But I don't have those answers for you today. But as we pursue and as we move forward and as we get the, the, the questions 
answered the legitimate questions that will help us determine uh, uh, what route we take, then we will formulate a financial plan and we will believe God. We will believe God because it will be bigger. There's no number that we have come across that is, not, that is, that is something we can currently do. There's not one number. It will take faith. It will take investment. It will take uh, participation. And this is one of those things. Sure, it's a great concept to own this. It's a great concept to buy this. It's a great concept to have this and to build this and to do this. But now are we willing to put it in the context of what it can be and the context of what it will take? And are we willing to put the work in to receive the harvest? This is where we're at. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. We've all seen this verse. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. He who, uh, verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing what? You mean you can get tired even doing good stuff? You can get tired even pursuing the vision that God's given you? We can grow weary even while doing good. Don't let the tiredness and don't let the, the, the weariness that wants to try to set in. Number one, you don't have to let it set in. Number two, don't let it make you think or confuse you that what you're pursuing is not of God. Well, it's just wearing me out. This must not be a God thing. No, even doing good is going to wear us out. Right, Brooke? Yeah. Even, even obeying the voice of God. And going after something that you're thinking, I am not, this is a challenge, this is a test, I'm not equipped for this. I mean, how many times, I know I'm not the only one in the room that can testify this morning that you have taken on something that you found out was way bigger than you. Don't make me stand up up here all by myself. Don't grow weary, he says, while doing good. For in due season, in a certain season, at a certain time. Why? It's not harvest time all year, is it, Brent? No, thank God. Some of, them, some of you are thinking, I wish it was always harvest time. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's seed time and there's harvest time. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Look at it in the New Living Translation. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest of what? Blessing. If we, did you ever think you would give up on blessing? You give up on blessing when you see it as a burden. It's all in your perspective. You can go in that promised land. You can send 12 in and 10 will come out saying it's a burden. Two will say it's a blessing. Neither one negated the fact that there was work involved. Joshua and Caleb were saying, what are you talking, what enemies are you talking about? I didn't see any. Having a perspective of blessing many times will look like to others as if you're ignoring the fact. We're not ignoring it. But what did Paul say? He said, while we do not look at the things which are what? Seen but at the things which are unseen. Those words, do not look, does not mean ignore. You don't ignore the doctor report. You don't ignore what the bank account says. It says you don't fix your mind on it. You don't set your mind as if, well, that's the way it is. Faith will confront facts, but you can't confront the fact until you accept the fact. Okay, that's the way it is. I'll see my faith changing. That's what you say. That's what you think we can do. This is our limitation. Wait till I get my faith on it. But we're not walking around saying, ah, you know, we can go do it. We'll make it happen. No, God will make it happen. God will make a way. And that's all he's done to this point. When, when, when I heard that voice that said, you don't belong here. I quickly and immediately responded with, I am here. I am here. I was there. I was just in the room. He had a conversation with me. 
Now, whether I gave him the expected response when he started throwing the numbers at me, that's on him. But all we can do now is take what he gave us and say, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to attack this? What are we going to believe God for? Do we just believe God for a certain amount of the acreage initially and then slowly accumulate it and, and acquire it over time? Do we buy it all in one chunk? Do, do, do we forget about the buildings and just go after? What, what, what is it that God wants to tell us to do? And we've got to be sensitive and listen to the voice. Because there was a day where God spoke to Joshua and he said, go in. And what took one culture, one nation, 40 years, took Joshua three days. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in wandering around. Anybody with me? Oh, there were promises out there. Sure. Sure, there was water coming out of rocks and donuts on the ground when you woke up. And that's the closest thing I can come up with. The way they explain it, that's a glazed donut from Daylight Donuts. That's a Krispy Kreme. They woke up and had Krispy Kreme. They should have branded that while they had the chance. Birds bringing you dinner every night. Yeah, there were miracles, but, but we, cannot, we cannot confuse a season of miracles for a season where we need to put discipline in as well. I'm not raising a church. I'm not interested in raising a faith church. You know, a lot of faith churches are fake churches. I'm not interested in raising a faith church that is ineffective and immobile and not applying their faith to anything and not actually seeing results in their lives. But the harvest takes place. The Amplified reads it this way. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap. If we do not loosen and relax. This, This is where a lot of people miss the faith where they loosen and relax. It requires intentionality. It requires purpose. It requires every morning waking up knowing this is my fight. This is what I'm believing for and I will not come off until I see it. I will not come off. Right now, Pastor Earl is believing God to buy a mall. $11 million. And he hasn't come off of it. There's other people that have come off of it, but we can't come off. You can't come off. The result of your faith is too important to come off of the fight. Stay on the front lines. He says, no, do not loosen and relax your courage. Your courage. And faith. Chase, if you would come. I simply wanted to cast vision this morning. I simply wanted to tell you what direction. This has all transpired very quickly and very recently. Although it could have potentially been done last year, late last year. We didn't begin to initiate real movement until literally about four weeks ago. And you may even hear around town. We live in Valdosta, right? We all live here. Word spreads like wildfire. You just let them know, yeah, we're excited. We'll see what God wants to do. We'll see what God wants to do. But the vision is great. I remember sitting in that that meeting a couple weeks ago. And uh, although, you know, they're telling us the challenges and telling us, You know, different things we may come against, the different hindrances and resistance we might see and find. At the end of the day, they they said this, uh, the the zoning lady and the uh, county planner, they both said, we're excited to hear about what Anchor Faith Church is doing. We're excited. We're excited. You're really excited about what God is doing through Anchor Faith Church. Why? Because we've raised up a body of people that said, I'm not a consumer. I'm a contributor. 
we're, we're, just, we're, we're just grazing the surface. Our law enforcement's about to know the presence of Anchor Faith Church like they never have. Our first responders, our schools, our principals, our teachers, our businessmen and women, our government, our mayor. They're about to, they're about to get a flood of influence. Why? Because we're here to ignite this city, impact the nation, and influence the world. I want you to know, we can't ever think small. Pastor Earl ingrained this in our church when we first started 13 years ago in St. Augustine, Florida. He ingrained it in my brain again. When we moved up here, he said, we are, you are not a small church. You're a beginning church. There's nothing that God does that's small. We serve a big God. Do we serve a big God? Do we serve a big God? I want you to apply the same principle. I want you to know today you have a pastor standing before you that's walking this with you. I'm not on the sidelines. I'm walking this thing with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever your faith test, whatever your faith, whatever you've taken on or whatever uh, uh, you have been viewing as a burden, I want you to today see it through the perspective of blessing. See it through the perspective of growth. See it through the perspective of expansion. It's a, it, it, there, there might be a burden that comes with it, but God wants to get the blessing to you so he can get the blessing through you. It's not about us. It's not about us. Sure, if I would have it my way, it would probably look a little different. But God is a big God. And he does big things. Why? Because he needs us to influence this city. He needs us to impact this nation. He needs us to influence this world. He needs us. I need people in this room that are willing to go to other countries to spread the gospel. I need people in this room that are willing to go across this nation to spread the gospel. I need people in this room that will not rest, will not stop until every person in Valdosta is anchored to a life in Christ to live life by faith. That's our purpose. Why do we exist? We exist to anchor people to Christ, to live life by faith. That's our purpose. That's why Anchor Faith Church exists. I told our leadership the other day, I said, it should bother you when you see someone that is not anchored to Christ. They're anchored to drugs. This should bother you. Why? Because it's my purpose. It's why I exist. It's why I'm even here. If they're anchored to pornography, if they're anchored to relationships and just running after relationship and running after relationship, they're anchored to that. So wherever it goes, they go. But they need to get anchored to the rock. They need to get anchored to a firm foundation. They need to get anchored to the Word of God. They need to get anchored to something that's immovable, unshakable. We exist to anchor people to Christ, to live life by faith. And the vision is great. The vision is bigger than all of us, but it takes each one of us. Father, I thank you for the vision. I thank you. You have spoken your word. You have spoken your word. The harvest is here. The harvest is here. Come on, just lift your hands and just thank Him. The harvest is here. The harvest is here. The walls are coming down. The promised land, we are right on the cusp. We are right. Would we miss it? Would we miss the blessing for the burden? Would we miss the the, the, the blessing of God for the fight that is entailing? Would we miss? Would we miss out on what God has for us? Because it's hard work. The harvest is hard. The harvest is here, but the harvest is hard. Father, we thank you for strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, we thank you for an empowering and an equipping of our church body and of our church members and of our church leadership. Father, we thank you for a strengthening to pursue everything that you have brought to us and everything you have called us to. And even though we may not see the whole path, you told us in your word that you have ordained the steps. We have been faithful with little. We have stewarded and we have managed your property. And 
now we believe that we can be made rulers over much. Father, you will ordain our course. You will ordain our steps. You will set, set our foot on solid ground. And we will see this city won for the kingdom of God. We will see the kingdom advanced. We will see the kingdom of darkness torn down. We will see freedom and liberty brought to people's minds and brought to people's hearts and brought to people's lives. This church will have the strongest marriages. This church will have the strongest family units. This church will have business-minded or kingdom-minded businessmen. This church will make an influence in our government and our first responders. This church will change our schools and our community for the kingdom of God. Where others have given up, we will persevere and we will endure and we will press through. And we will see the glory of God come to this city. We give you glory and praise. Give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.